Culture Guy Podcast. With your host, Christian, the Culture Guy. And with a German-American connection again for this episode. Welcome back, everybody. This is Christian, the Culture Guy. This is the Culture Guy podcast. And the music that you're listening to in the intro, some of you may remember hearing that either because you've been a faithful follower of this podcast or maybe because you saw it recently as the intro music to our new live video format that we host on weekdays on YouTube and on Facebook. It's called Two Chaps, Many Cultures that I co-host with my friend and co-conspirator Brett Perry. The music is the same. It's a track called Du Um Ip by my friend and long-term, well, companion, if you will, um, Seppalot from Munich, Germany. And that brings us to the Germany connection of this episode. Today I have a guest for you and for all of us that similar to my story has managed to cross cultures across the Atlantic for work and for life. The big difference is that he went back to Germany. I'm still here in the United States and I have no plans of leaving yet. Who knows what the future holds. The guest for this episode is a gentleman that I met many moons ago when he and I both worked for MTV Music Television, and that was even before the turn of the millennium. And he went on to remain in the music industry, whereas I chose a different career path, as you know, cultural training, mentoring, consulting, and coaching. And for those of you who want to learn more about what that is, cultural coaching, cultural training, mentoring, check us out online, theculturemastery.com. Send me an email at getstarted@theculturemastery.com, And simply check us out on all the socials, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, where you'll find out what cultural coaching and training can do for you. We're always in business, no matter what pandemic or other crises we're working through, because our clients know that coaching and training and mentoring is moving the needle for them. Now, what moved the needle for today's guest? His name is Patrick Joost, or Patrick, as you'll find out. He worked in the music industry for the music publishing side, and Most recently, he spent almost a dozen years at BMG, the music company BMG, where he was in charge of music licensing for TV and movie and other media productions. Very interesting field in the industry. And as such, he spent time not only in Europe, but also here in the United States as an expatriate with his family. And before I tell you all this, why doesn't he tell us the story so we can all enjoy here today is Patrick Joost, or as Americans might call him Patrick Joost, Joost, 
Are you juiced, are you juiced, Patrick, or are you joust? I'm rather joust. You're I right. might be juiced as well. <laughs> Joe's juiced. Um, and you are a fellow German, which is making this conversation quite awkward because two Germans talking English on a podcast with each other. Also, two Germans with the same weird letter in their last name. So we both carry a O umlaut in our last name, which is quite hard for Americans to pronounce. So how have you dealt with that, Patrick? I've basically, even before moving to the US, I, I, I've started to ignore mm. its existence. So I've, I've started using OE because it's just too complicated. I mean, even so, when filling in forms, you know, for immigrations or whatever. So you internationalize um, the spelling to make it easier. Yes. Okay. Yes. And how do you, how do you handle it? Well, I, I still use the O umlaut on purpose. Um, of course, with American documents, that's impossible. So I do also anglicize it or internationalize it by by yeah. dissolving the umlaut because i noticed that no matter how i spell it people will always ask me how do you pronounce it or they typically Let's... mispronounce my last name anyway so i'm being asked to spell it regardless so i thought if i have to spell it i might as well sp still yeah, write it with the original lettering right word with pride I yeah. guess. And uh, it, it, yeah. It, yeah. That, that's what it is. So I'm, I'm flaunting my Germanness in, in those little subtle ways. So how did you flaunt your Germanness or how did you maybe not flaunt your Germanness? You, you've been working across the globe. That's why we're talking here today. Pat, mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know Patrick yet, um, he and I've been knowing each other for a while through my previous career and his still career in the music industry. And you've yeah. recently returned from a multi-year assignment on the U.S. West Coast, and you're now back mm -hmm. in which city? I'm in Berlin. In Berlin. Lovely Berlin. As for those who didn't know it yet, it's also L.A. where I used to live, uh, L.A.'s sister city. Oh, I did not know people. that either. See? Oh, interesting. I've, I've made it my, my mission to promote that. It's been actually, they, they just celebrated the 50-year anniversary two or three years ago. That is lovely. See, I learned something new. You all learn something new here on the Culture Guy podcast. So, okay, what brought you? What brought you to LA? What was the reason for your assignment? Why did you move? So, I guess uh, it started off. I joined BMG in two thousand nine as one of the first twenty employees, and and then uh, a couple of months later, BMG started going on this, I guess, uh, acquisition spree. Mm. Um, and and acquired a ton of companies in the U.S. mainly, uh, publishing music publishing companies. And um, the area I work in, which is marketing and licensing music for film, TV, advertising, which we call sync mm -hmm. licensing, um, is typically the, the affected in real time when you when you acquire a company or a catalog. Which means you know you acquire a catalog on the next day you'll have managers, artists calling or people wanting to license a song so we always had to had to act really fast which meant that i would often travel to the us and mainly la because this is where a, a number of the companies we acquired uh, were based you know to integrate start integrating repertoire start in, integrating the teams and uh, so i'd been i guess it started probably started in like 2010 i started going back and forth on a mm -hmm. pretty regular basis and at some point and it was kind of a strategy, I guess, to, 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 yeah, to um, send people over 
to the U.S. from from the German head so office. It, it was easier for Berlin to have somebody sitting on site yeah. in L.A. A, there's a nine-hour time difference. Yes, and and there's that that makes it hard to respond in time. And so it would it just behooved the company to have a physical presence or somebody from head office being exactly. there on site. Correct. Exactly. Okay. exactly to to sort of and and I mean you I know you work with a lot of international companies and and I guess part of it is to. A, make sure that the, the sort of the culture gets uh, conveyed mm. in the proper, in a proper way. Um, at the same time, you have trusted people on the ground uh, from a head office Berlin perspective in our case. Um, so I, I wasn't the first one. I was actually, I think, the third one, third or fourth one to, to be deployed to the U.S. Um, How many yeah. years did you spend there? How many years? Three years. Three, Three years. years. It was going to be a two-year assignment, but then we extended. So th this is interesting because you bring it up uh, to to um, to extend the the corporate culture of the organization to the subsidiary office. Now, mm -hmm. knowing that the entertainment industry globally has been for I don't know fifty, sixty, eighty years heavily influenced by the U.S. markets, Hollywood, um, music mm -hmm. industry, L.A. is one of the the global hubs for for content creation on, on a global scale. Now, BMG, your former employer, is a German-owned music company. Mm -hmm. So how how does that work? How does that manifest itself in your day to day that you're working for a German big player in the industry? However, you're somewhat of a, a foreign entity mm -hmm. in that global hub of U.S. content creation in Hollywood. How how did the two cultures mix, or did they mix? You mean in the U.S.? Yeah. When I was in, um, I, I guess. On a day-to-day, -day, it's a really tough question because I'm 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 just trying to to sort of go back to the the I guess the the, the gut feeling I had back then. Mm -hmm. um, I think on a day-to-day, -day, I saw myself often as a translator or an mm -hmm. interpreter between the two worlds and cultures, starting with you know some, sometimes with with very practical things that one side might not be aware of of the other, mm -hmm. vice versa. Um, other than that, I think that there certainly were some some cultural things that that I personally was surprised by, but at the same time, I never, I tr I tried to adapt, but I didn't try to to become a chameleon. If oh, that nice. Makes sense. Okay. Now I have a suspicion, and you, I might be totally wrong here, but knowing a little bit about your personal story, um, which is not, let's say, not linear culturally mm -hmm. speaking, may, maybe your personal story was what equipped you with being that translator between the worlds, right? So um, I, I'm I only going to give yeah. a few keywords here because I'm going to let you tell the story. But yes, you're German, but you have Argentinian ancestry or part of your family has some Argentinian roots. Mm -hmm. You're also of Jewish faith, a German of Jewish faith. Um, yes, there are such things for those of you out there listening and wondering how that happens. Mm -hmm. um, so how do these, how do these different strains of your history maybe inform the person that you are today? I guess, I think I, I, I on the one hand, I'm totally German, I think. On the other, I never felt like, I grew up knowing that being German, is, German isn't the only truth. If that makes sense. <laughs> yes, <and> that's uh, 
Uh, also, if I compare it to some of my colleagues who, who would struggle, you know, I've, I've witnessed those situations when people come into to a, to a mixed cultural uh, situation or constellation. Um, I think it's always wiser to first observe a little bit and, and ask questions rather than giving commands, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> I also, I never... You know, growing up in a, in a suburb of Frankfurt in the 70s, it, back then it wasn't cool to be, be bilingual. Hmm. It was, you were, actually for Spanish was my, first, uh, was my first language, my mother language. And, and according to my parents, my, somebody told me I was a foreigner on the, on the playground when I was like three or four years old. And I didn't want to speak a word of Spanish anymore. Oh, wow. Uh, so it took some time to get back to that. But, you know, all I'm saying is, is if, if you used to sort of, standing out a little bit then then you you probably become and you know i'm not unique with that you probably come become a bit more sensitive to mm -hmm. to those to differences in in, in people and cultures and, and behavior and whatnot um and at the same time i also i always had you know i had always had family and relatives or almost around the globe there was a and my mom wasn't born in germany although she grew up speaking german she was a, a first generation um uh, child of of Jewish immigrants in in Argentina, and um, so I always knew, you know, there's different things out there. And again, right. I think this this applies to a lot of of people that have some sort of immigrant background. Well, so, would, it, would you it, accept the label TCK, like third culture kid? Would that would 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 that be a label that describes you? Because you're not just one shade. You're not just quote unquote just German. You also have the Argentinian side to your family. You also have the the the, the, the faith and the label that comes with it, sort of? Is Probably. Behavior? Yeah, okay. Probably. And, and uh, I always, I, if you, you know, when, once we arrived in LA, also out of my family, I probably was the one that, that felt the most at home just because I didn't, you know, I, because that's what I had, I guess, learned from, from my mother's side of the family. You, you can live anywhere and, and mm -hmm. make it your home. So your wife um, is also a German, I believe, right? She's German-British, actually. Oh, German-British. All right. No. <laughs> so, so there's you, you. You found a life partner that also has experiencing in in code switching or adjusting. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. My my. She's going to hate me that I say that, but my, my mother-in-law, after a lot of time in Germany, um, still sometimes code switches within one sentence. Yeah, and, and th this is, I think, what many of us do as, as we learn to adjust to different surroundings or to a different set of quote-unquote normal is we, we flip the switch. And sometimes that happens mm -hmm. consciously. Sometimes we do it without even noticing it. Yeah. So when, when your family arrived in Los Angeles and you, you took the kids with you, so you, were, you lived through the classic expatriate experience, mm -hmm. what were some of the biggest challenges that you and your family encountered? What were the biggest ouch moments? I guess overall that at, at the age of how old was I? I was like 45 when we got there. At the age of 45, you, you feel like a kid that doesn't know anything all of a sudden with a lot of things, like all the bureaucratic stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the sequ boring stuff, like the sequencing to get first get your social security number and then the other thing and blah, 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 and then to be able to apply for work permit for your wife and blah, 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 and, and or to basically uh, 
get screwed over when when trying to get a, a, a internet and, and phone contract for your home and blah, all these things and mm -hmm. and figuring out what the heck the a renter's insurance is and um yes yeah, so that you all, that you won't be able to get the lease without the renter's insurance exactly a lot of these boring things that obviously while you're trying to adapt anyway and and trying basically just trying to navigate a completely foreign system which is funny because i've been going i don't know probably between eight and 15 times a year to the u.s prior prior to moving there well, but that, that but, just shows you that business travel is travel still yes and living there and making it a home is a completely different experience Probably. right and and i think for for germans it might be in a helpful or a healing experience to be a foreigner somewhere else as as germany yes. has become a, a place of refuge for for many foreigners who are making germany their new home and, and struggling with it or varying degrees of struggle i guess but um it always reminds me of that Aldous huxley quote if you if you don't know who Aldous huxley is read brave new world um scarily good book um Aldous huxley said being a traveler abroad shows you that we're all foreigners somewhere that everything is strange mm -hmm. somehow right mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm i'm paraphrasing the quote so so the logistics were a stumbling block were, were there also communicative or behavioral issues that you ran into whether it was at work or in social circles in in sort of social school circles I, one thing i i vividly remember is 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 that well, I guess the feeling or the the, the sentiment of, of getting used to a very different culture in terms of donations, for example, giving mm -hmm. and, and participating in community overall, mm -hmm. which in Germany isn't such a thing, especially donating. It, it felt like in the beginning at our school that you would have to, to donate like every other day for something. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in Germany, I guess the, the approach is more like, oh, I'm paying a lot of taxes, so I'm good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, which is really, really different, and and obviously the 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 kind of the social pressure that comes along with that, because you don't want to, you know, you're you're the foreigner, and you don't want to stand out too much. So you're like, I really hate this, but I'm probably gonna have to get mm -hmm. tickets for the super expensive school gala evening. Or mm -hmm. in the beginning, you get used to that. It it takes it, it probably took us like two or three months. The same with. Um, going uh, sound like, like a totally totally greedy german but <laughs> going going out to, to to dinner with your family and, and getting used to tipping mm -hmm. yeah. um that again it's it's something you just have to get over but it took probably like eight weeks and then you're like you, you forget about it but right. in the beginning it's a bit like you sit there you're always like oh shoot it's going to be another 20 percent on top of this yeah and um it, I, I those little things experience. I, I had a yeah. similar experience and, and for some of these experiences don't go away after six weeks. They, some of them are still lingering on for me after many, many years. And mm -hmm. I, what I learned about this, especially with the, with the charitable giving and the, the community involvement that you said it's social pressure. And I, I would agree to a certain extent, um, the way that is lived in the United States brought light to me to the way that we as individuals see our relationship to society or to mm -hmm. 
the uh, the state or the political structure yeah. in which we live, right? As you said, in Germany, we pay taxes and most Germans feel that by doing so, we have done our citizen's duty. We did yeah. our obligation. It's taken care of and the rest will take, the, the government will take that money and do what they promise to do with it. In the United States, that relationship is completely different, right? Totally. Most Americans... Do yeah. not trust their government and they want to give it as little as possible and they'd rather give charitable donations to specific totally, causes totally that they agree. select because they identify with it, right? Yeah. And, and, and coming to terms with that can be tough. Yeah, and thanks for pointing that out. And actually, over time, I learned the kind of beautiful side of that too. Uh, mm. You know, it's not like I was sitting there for three years going, I don't want to give anything to society, quite the opposite. And actually, you know, I got involved in, 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 I started donating on a regular basis for causes that were important to me. Also because on the type of visa, visa we, we were on, it was, we were really limited in what you could do in terms of, you know, getting involved politically and, and, and that during a time of transition, to put it very politely. Mm. Um, uh, so when we got there, it was Obama and then, you know, let's not go too much into politics. But it but, was a transition but, and the, the country is yeah. still experiencing it, right? Yeah. Yes. And, and so it was really important for us also as a family to, to, to get involved as far as we could for the right, right causes. And, and uh, we did. And I remember, uh, you know, going to 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 a kind of uh, demonstration gathering uh, to protest the the Muslim travel ban. Which, mm. well, I don't know if that's the correct politically correct term. Well, but I think it, that's but, what the media calls it. So yeah, yeah, um, where where you had leaders from from all kinds of of uh, religions and and gathering and and just you know showing solidarity and that was really important and and being there also again giving a bit of money. Blah blah blah. That was, you know, you get into that. Mm -hmm. it just took a second. Uh, the other thing, and and in the context of you, and stop me if I talk too much. But in yeah, the context good. of what you just just said, one one of my theories uh, is um, that, you know, in in, in what you d started describing in terms of the relationship between the individual and the state, the government. That's mm -hmm. that's really almost on 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 uh, opposite ends of, of, of the spectrum between... You mean between Germany and the US? Germany and the yeah. US. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, in Germany, I really thought about that also because I, I started, you know, you, you talked about my, my faith and I really started looking into that more in, in while in the US and, 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 you know, reflected a lot on, on what all this means. And to me in Germany, when people here say the state, they you might as well replace that with God sometimes. Yes. Right? It's this... this authority somewhere up in the clouds that's supposed to take care of your life yeah in the u.s you. there's a term for this they and it's not a nice term many americans call it a nanny state like yeah it's 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 this almost infallible authority figure that will heal all your ailments right yes. um and, and that's yeah. i agree that's that can be off-putting for people coming to germany because they they've they they've experienced a different relationship to yeah. the society in, in in their home culture and yeah and that by the way just this was one of the really nice sort of byproducts of, of or maybe it's not it's more than a byproduct of, of living in the u.s i had never thought as much about that before Mm -hmm. moving to the US and living in the US. And when I came back, it really struck me as really odd how people, you know, you, you know, 
maybe we're going to talk a bit more about that, but because you, 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 I feel like you naturally become a hybrid between mm -hmm. those two um, experiences. And, and I, I see things much, some of these things much more critical here in, in Germany as well. Now, having said all that, in the US, the equivalent of God, although a lot of people talk about religion there, but typically the color is green and money is also an equivalent to God sometimes. Well, it's all about the Benjamins, right? And yeah. on, on the Benjamins, on the dollar bill, it says, in God we trust. So it's, yeah. um, there you go. There, yeah. there, that might be the manifestation of that. Yeah. yeah. So no, also in, also yeah. in terms of, of how, how, I don't want to say holds the, how it holds the society together, but how, how it, you get acceptance with money. And I realized that, you know, when, when our, our landlord in, in LA, he, he was of uh, Iranian background and he spoke with a thick accent, but he had made it somehow and he was perfectly accepted in society mm -hmm. because, you know, he had money he, and he was a very nice guy. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I really, he, he made me think about that because with him, it's, you know, because, because in, in, proved... in Germany, it can be different. Right. In, in Germany, there is um, envy and jealousy for economic success. Whereas mm -hmm. my dad would have told me when I was younger, he always said, and I'm probably butchering it as I translate it into English, my dad would have said, um, respect you have to earn, envy you get for free. And yes. the, 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 <laughs> that, that is something that is, is informed my up, upbringing in, in Germany. And, and in the US, it's if, if you have economic success, if you can prove that you can make it, no matter what the circumstance, that yeah. shows your character and that, that buys you, literally, that buys you the respect of society, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you said that you found your faith or you, you reconnected with your faith while in the U.S. So I, I mentioned it earlier, you, your faith is, is, is Judaism. So how, how, how did that come about? And how is it now being, um, being a, a, a man of, of Jewish faith in Germany coming back? So basically two questions in one. Um, how did it come about? It was a sequence of... of I don't think it was coincidence. I'm not super like, you know, I'm not super religious still or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm kind of spiritual, but a, a couple of things happened. And, and, you know, I met somebody who told me I should talk to somebody else who was a member in a really cool uh, Jewish community. So I met that person. Still took me a couple of months before I went there for the first time. And I had been, and I've been searching, I guess, for, for a couple of years, but never managed to really connect here because my, I didn't grow up. Uh, uh, obedient and um, yeah and at some point I just went and, and I was also I, I think I, I told you that before I, it was a weekend when my family had already flown to Europe in the summer and I was all by myself and I was like oh whatever and it was it also happened to be across the street more or less uh, from my office mm -hmm. in LA uh, so I just went there and and, and I never looked back. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, you felt you, you felt this was a, a spiritual place for you to connect. So you you felt like yeah. you belonged. Now, a that B it was also sort of it was a very it's it's a very um, it's it's a very engaged community when it comes to social justice. Uh, mm -hmm. That's really important to them. It's a community called Icar. Um, and they're really kind of progressive and very, you know, and they also, you know, they, they were involved in what I mentioned earlier, the, the, you know, those solidarity protests and blah, blah, blah. There, there was a lot of stuff like that going on. So I also felt like I, I was connecting to another side of the U.S. society, 
apart from the the religious aspect right now um, I would argue in in a city like l a which is has a huge huge Jewish community mm-hmm. of of various shades, I think it, it's fairly easy to be comfortable in 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 living your faith and being mm-hmm. out there um, sure. in Germany, that might be a little bit of a different story where after the German reunification we've seen sure some growth in yeah. the Jewish community in Germany, however, it's still a minuscule part of the overall mm-hmm. population so being being a jew a, 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 or being a jew in germany or being public about your faith is that something you do or are you more private about this now you tend to be more private i mean comparing it to to the us where you you know you would go to you know you would go to synagogue and yes sometimes i would have to get something from from the grocery store which isn't exactly what you're supposed to do afterwards mm-hmm. and you would forget to to take off your kippah Hmm. It's not a problem. Actually, you, well, on, on Shabbat, you wouldn't meet a lot of people, but on a weekday in the area where we were living, it was probably like 30% of the, of the men were wearing kippah because right. it was a rather um, Hasidic uh, neighborhood where we were living. And here, I basically, you know, I, I, I hide things. And I think a lot of people do that here in, in Berlin because you don't want to get into go, trouble. On, you don't go on the street wearing your kippah, or do you? No. So how does that make you feel? Do you, do you is that something that are you, you're you're um, frustrated with your with your native culture or with your homeland, so to say, or is it something that it's, you just accept? That's a very comp- I, a just to, to be clear, it's nothing I would have done in LA anyway, and neither here. It's just not being able to do it is that kind of sucks, and it mm. that don't, doesn't only apply to Jews. It's for any religion. I think that's that's one of the beautiful things about the US that. Also today, with more difficulties, let's let's be clear about that too. It's not as as sort of easy as it might have been a couple of years ago today to wear religious symbols in in public. In Germany, it's obviously it's more complicated. A because of the history. B because you also yes on the pub, on public transport, there might be people of 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 a Muslim background that mm-hmm. you might get in trouble with. And I'm very cautious in, in not, you know, I don't want to stereotype everybody, but mm-hmm. that also happens. Um, well, it, it plays in your head, right? There is this abstract yeah. fear that you might run yeah. into a into an anti-Semite, whether it's an anti-Semitic Muslim or an anti-Semitic other yeah. asshole, forgive my French. So that, that, that and in Germany, that, that is a, a common historic experience for many generations. So it, it, it yeah. is there. It's a, it's a psychological aspect of it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And that, yeah, that kind of sucks. Again, it's not so much about me because I, I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, there's also obviously there's uh, uh, shades of, of, you know how how much out out there you want to be and and it's not for every jew you know not every jew wears a kippah in public but um even just the fact that you basically it's tough to do that here in a lot of places um now yeah and yeah i want to i want to drill into being back in berlin so now you're a repat a a a -hmm. repatriate somebody who's lived abroad for three years in 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 two or three sentences what is life in germany like after having been away now life in germany that's also a loaded question because some people will tell you berlin is not necessarily germany so <laughs> let's say which what, i don't mind <laughs> you're right so so did it did it take you long to make it a home again or how, how did you and your family approach the move back to the homeland 
I think it was different for every, we're, we're a family of four, uh, my wife and I and, and, and the son and the daughter, it was different for everyone. Um, it took a while. It really took a while. I, although we, I think we were reasonably well prepared mentally uh, in terms of, you know, we, we kept telling each other, we're not going back. We, we're moving to Berlin. Uh, because I had, had read a lot of stuff about that, and 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 that's the way we approached it, which was difficult anyway, because we moved back into our own apartment. So you basically you're going back to the same place, but still we try to approach it uh, a bit with a bit of curiosity, I guess, or if you want to put it in a more like spiritual way, with a beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really helped us with that was running. We started, my wife and I had started to run in, in LA um, and, and exploring the city you, you think you know, but by running, it really shows you a different perspective and aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You don't um, get it under your belt, you get it under your feet or under your soul. Exactly. You, you, exactly. Walk, you, you walk the walk, so to say. You, you run exactly. the run. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, but it still, it took us probably a good year to really feel at home again. Um, which is, by the way, which also happened in LA. I think that just happens when you move to a different place. So it doesn't, it's just the, the sort of the trap is much bigger when you think you move back to the place you've come from. Um, right. Because the place because, you went away from changed while you were gone, right? You cha- you, the place changed, you, you yourself changed, your mm-hmm. friends changed, your work, workplace changed. If you're, and, and it actually applied to both of us. My wife and I both went back, quote unquote, um, to to the same office, also physically, office mm-hmm. space. Um, but everything has changed and people, and that's, I guess that's the, the hardest realization that you have to make is, is that people haven't been waiting for you, right? Mm-hmm. People haven't been sitting there for three years waiting for you to come back. Oh, when is Patrick going to be back? Both, again, right. on, on, a, on a professional, but also on, on, a, on a personal social level. Right. Um, typically, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this from from a lot of guests also on here um your friends typically want to talk about your experience for like five minutes yeah 10 if they're they, really gracious. Yeah. yes mm-hmm. and then they want to move on right because they they yeah they don't want to make such a fuss about it because life for them has continued and and so yeah you you're not that special you think you're special yeah. because you've been yeah. gone and oh I, I lived in west hollywood and look at me yeah and, I got yeah. the I got the Southern California suntan to prove it, yeah. But exactly, yeah. But it's interesting for maybe five minutes. So, um, but yeah. just to, to wrap that up, by now it's great. I mean, I'm I'm a year I probably wouldn't have thought I would really love it again to be here, but by now I'm really really happy here. And you said people will, some people won't call Berlin Germany part of Germany, but that's actually what I love about the city. That is is a bit different. That's a unique animal, right? So, um, are you ready to talk about your your next professional steps, or is this too secretive still at this point? What is Patrick I can doing give now? You a rough idea. So, what's really important for me at the moment is that after eleven years in in this, well, it wasn't the same job and it wasn't the same company. It's a company that obviously constantly evolved. We we were a startup in the beginning, blah blah blah, and and probably after like eight, nine years, you start noticing it's a different place. It's much bigger. And, um, and looking back, I, I, I kind of feel at the moment, I feel like at some point you feel like you're, you're in a little box, although it's a pretty big little box. And right now what's really important for me is to, to, to really, you know, uh, make use of my freedom and, and explore new things. And, um, 
So I'm, I'm currently in, in very concrete conversations with a couple of, of companies, people, um, basically consulting. For, they, they're all in the music space, more or less. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more tech-related. Um, and uh, just seeing how I can apply my, I guess, intercultural expertise, my, my knowledge of certain markets, uh, marketplaces, and... and um, yeah, that's that's in a nutshell. And at the same time, I'm also with two partners that we're we're going to start something where we're going to explore the what I think is a is a is a totally changing landscape uh, in how how artists want to be serviced. In that you know, there's a lot of DIY tools now out there for 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 in the music space uh, to release your music yourself. A lot of artists are really keen to use that. At the same time, they're sometimes a bit overwhelmed by it. So we're we're trying to figure out. What, what our space so that sounds like though that you're going to be your own boss maybe yeah. with some partners so would you say that three years in a culture that is driven by bootstrapping and by mm -hmm. entrepreneurship have given you the the spark so to say to say well i don't need to be employed i don't need to have a corporate job i can i, I have learned a lot in my in my professional life in my personal life to galvanize this into a business model that i do for myself is it does it probably didn't hurt i mean i've i've i've, I've had a little small little version of what i'm trying to do now before i, I joined my last job mm -hmm. for a couple of months um I I I think I never was afraid of that, but I'm, I'm I think you're right, right in that. Um, obviously, you see that happening a lot more. You also see you get confirmation because I, I've always thought a bit more pragmatic than other people. I think you get the confirmation that if you just you know just start with things. And and again, this I mean again, this is like one of the oldest German. You would say, did you say that in English? Oldest hats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, it's, it's an old <laughs> an old axiom, right? It's it's. You just do it. You do it. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, and and, and and you don't have to plan everything perfectly until the end. You you know you just start and and while you're on the way, you correct and you change and you pivot and and so that's what I'm probably going to be doing over the next couple of months. At the same time, having said all that, um, there are still some conversations, and I wouldn't rule out if the perfect thing came along that. I would go back to a corporate thing, but it, it probably, well, I'm sure it would have to be something where, where it's about building something right. rather than taking over something and optimizing it. Yeah, That's, you don't need another box. You, you would rather yeah. cre you create your own environment and yes. have the autonomy yes. to do so. Right. Yes. Now, um, last thing I would like to ask you before we, we, we conclude this session here today, um, what would you advise anyone who is about to go on this foreign assignment? Sure, in COVID times, that may not be as easy as it used to be. Mm -hmm. However, people are still transitioning. Many of our clients are still making the moves across the globe. What, what yeah. are, it doesn't even have to include a, a geographic move. It could just be that you're working with other people from different cultural backgrounds. What, what would be your, the, the thing that you learned, the biggest takeaway from having lived a global life? What, what is an advice you would give to the younger, younger Patrick mm -hmm. or to anyone <laughs> on, 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 on that journey? Uh, I think one... Well, I'm actually, I was thinking about the, even as you said, in, in a situation where you might not be moving. And one thing I've, I've been dealing with a lot, you know, talking, talking to people really across the globe on a regular basis and bringing them together. Um, 
I think you see what what I love about this this period in time with well it sounds weird I'm now I sound like the president <laughs> beautiful anyway um, what the, what I the benefit positive, of this a benefit a positive uh, result or byproduct of this this uh, situation is that people are communicating more indifferently now people are more open to getting on what we're doing at the moment although people won't be able to see that to to do a zoom call to you know to get on a video call it's something we've been doing for a really really long time um, when when i was running the team at, at bmg really every other week at the very least we would get on a call hmm. and it's not it's it's also about exchanging mu information or listening to music but it also always was for me about having a laugh together uh giving people the opportunity to to sort of shine for a second or just you know even just people knowing okay that's that's that guy looks like that it's not just an email address right mm -hmm. which then really facilitates or takes communication to the next level it just breaks down those barriers um i think that's really important and that helped me even moving to the us because i i had that was a natural thing for me to to communicate across territories time zones whatever the other thing is i think i said that earlier rather ask questions than assuming Hmm. Or, or, or I, I like this. So to, to basically galvanizing, galvanizing your experience. I, I hear two things: give people an opportunity to laugh with each other, and give them an opportunity to to shine or to shine their light, be themselves, yeah. because that's what you learn to be yourself, right? And also to listen more to to relate and not to respond, right? To, to yeah. have, uh, be, be, exactly. build a relationship and observe before you react. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it sounds easy. It's not always an easy practice. And <laughs> as you probably know, it's, it's, it's something it's that I keep reminding myself, I, I, most people I know who do it consciously, it, it's, it's a practice. It's not something you flip a switch with. It's, it's something totally. that you, you develop a habit of, of pausing before you, yeah. You react. And, okay. and, and, and third, if I may add one little of thing, what, what's always helped me also, um, we didn't speak about that yet because I'm actually, um, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I mentioned it, Spanish is my, my second mother language. So, mm. so that I've always been very much interested in languages and I obviously love all romance languages and blah, blah, blah. It's always helped me to try and learn a few phrases. It sounds so silly, but if you, if you, you know, if you call your Swedish colleague and you can say three words in Swedish, hmm. again, it breaks down a little barrier. And, and um, I wouldn't under, underestimate that bit as well. I'm sorry that um, my Spanish is not good enough to conduct this, <laughs> this conversation. No importa. Es un placer de conocerte, señor. Muchas gracias. So thank you, Patrick, for being on. This was lovely. This was the Culture Guy podcast with Patrick Joost or Patrick Joost or however you want to pronounce our names. My name is Christian Hoefele in German or Christian Hoefele or Christian Hopefully or any other variant of the name. <laughs> Sometimes they even respond to Hey You. So thank you, Patrick, for being on. Thank Best you. of luck in your future endeavors. Patrick Joost, Patrick Joost, Joost, oh gosh, these German names in English, will we ever get them right?
check out his profile on LinkedIn. You'll find it in the show notes to this episode. Go check out the website, theculturemastery.com. You'll find all the podcast episodes archived there in the podcast section. Go ahead, like us, follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. I think we have a Facebook too. Yeah, we have Facebook. Man, we are all the socials. It, it shouldn't be hard to find us on Twitter. I'm at Höferle, or you'll find me at Culture Mastery. Instagram is forward slash the Culture Mastery. And check out my YouTube channel. All of the episodes of Two Chaps, Many Cultures, you'll find them there. Daily show has been going on for a couple of weeks now. We're in the almost we're getting closer to 100 episodes now so time to check that out multiple ways to engage with the culture guy and the culture mastery and coach christian who will help you move the needle in global business that's it for now mic drop the culture guys out talk to you in the next episode ciao for now <laughs>